Um, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we are um, doing this new sermon series. We started last week, Brandon mentioned to you, called Firefall, and we're looking at the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does He do? Uh, the reason why we have picked this sermon series to go through is because of you. So in this past summer, we had we offered for you all to take a survey, and that survey revealed that you needed clarity in regards to the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we're tackling this topic now. Also, think about what our theme is for the year. Let there be light, a year of clarity, a year of hope, a year of growth, right? And so this is creating clarity, clarity regarding the Holy Spirit. Is all about us creating clarity as a church, right? So, um, last week what we did is we looked at Acts 1. Because I said, if, if you really want to understand the Holy Spirit, you got to look at the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Even though we call it the Acts of the Apostles. And so you, you need to look at the Holy Spirit in that book. So we looked at Acts 1. And what we found is that Jesus, after his resurrection he spent 40 days talking to his followers about the kingdom of god jesus's favorite topic and then not too long um, after it mentions that acts 1 tells us that jesus then talked to his followers about the coming of the holy spirit and what i shared with you last sunday is the reason that jesus goes from talking about the kingdom of god and then right to the holy spirit is because the Holy Spirit is the main person by which God's restored kingdom would spread into the world. And he was about to do that. The Holy Spirit was about to do that through his followers. And that's why Jesus told his followers in Acts 1, 4, and 5. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Did you catch that little part in verse 4? In regards to the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells his followers, you have heard from me. Meaning, Jesus has already talked to his followers about the Holy Spirit. So this wasn't new news. Jesus had already spoken of the Holy Spirit. And so, we're going to do a flashback today. To understand the Holy Spirit's work in Acts, you have to understand what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit prior to his death. And so like in a movie that you're watching and you're watching and the storyline is moving forward and then all of a sudden, the flashback, right? And that flashback helps you understand what is to come. We're going to do that all right now. Um, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit prior to his death and it's recorded in the Gospel of John in chapters 14, 15, and 16. Now, that would be a lot of verses to look at. We're just going to look at four verses in John 14. Let me read them to you, and then we'll consider some things we can learn about the Holy Spirit through them. John 14, verses 15 through 18. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Here's the first thing that I want you to see from these verses. The Holy Spirit is a person. 
Holy Spirit is a person. This is huge. Notice that Jesus didn't say, uh, it will abide with you forever. The, the world neither sees it or knows it, but you know it, for it dwells with you and will be in you. He didn't say, for it dwells with you and will be in you. He said, he. He uses the, Jesus uses the pronouns, he, him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit isn't an object. It's not a thing. It's not an imp- it's not it. It's not. I'm messing up already. He's not. <laughs> See how this is ingrained in us. We've got to be careful about it. He is not an impersonal force like the force in Star Wars. That's how we normally think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, what separates a person from a, like, I don't know, a rock or the chair you're sitting on? What separates a person from these things? Well, let, let's, let me give you a rundown. A, whole, uh, a person has consciousness. So they know, a person knows that they are a person and that they exist. Does a rock know that it exists? No, a rock doesn't know. Right? A person has the capacity to reason. In other words, they can use logic. They can take in information, dissect information, make decisions based on that information. They, have, they can consciously um, make sense of things. They, re- they have reason as a capacity. Right? A person is a moral being, meaning they can choose from right and wrong and can determine right from wrong. A person is an emotional being. A person can feel, right? They can feel sadness and disappointment and frustration and anger and joy and uh, happiness. Can a rock feel? Can a rock reason? Can Can a rock make a decision from right and wrong? No, it's not a person. A person understands time. So they know that there's a past, there's a present, and there's a future. A rock doesn't understand time. A person is a relational being, meaning they can engage in personal relationships, which means they're able to care and commit to another person. They're able to know and be known by another person. Right? A rock cannot do these things. And so when we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, what we are saying is that the Holy Spirit is aware that he is a person and that he exists. The Holy Spirit reasons. The Holy Spirit thinks and uses logic. The Holy Spirit is a moral being. He knows right from wrong. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit can be sad, can be angry, can be frustrated, can be disappointed, can be joyful, happy, elated. The Holy Spirit has a will. I don't know if I mentioned that the the person is a volitional being. They have a will that they choose from and decide from. The Holy Spirit has a will that it chooses and decides from. The Holy Spirit understands time. The Holy Spirit can engage in personal relationships. The Holy Spirit can be known. The Holy Spirit can know you. The Holy Spirit can talk to you. The Holy Spirit can be talking to, and the Holy Spirit, you know, will listen. The Holy Spirit can be cared about and committed to. The Holy Spirit can care for and commit to you because the Holy Spirit is a person. Got this, right? This can be an aha moment for a lot of people. This should, we'll get to it, this should, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to jump ahead if I say it, so we'll just wait. (laughs) Secondly, 
We learn from these verses, these four verses, that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. In verse 18 of our passage, what does Jesus equate the Holy Spirit coming to a person to? Himself coming to that person. The only way that Jesus can say that is if the Holy Spirit is equal to Jesus. One with Jesus, that's the only way, right? And so... The Bible never uses the word Trinity. We don't see it, that word ever in scriptures, in the scriptures. But the concept of the Trinity is all over the pages of the scripture. And here's just one more example of the, you know, the many passages that talk about God is one God, but he is at the same time three distinct persons. Blows our mind, I know. It's crazy to think about, right? The Holy Spirit is a member of the Godhead. He is one, equal to God the Father and God the Son, and yet distinct from them in his personhood. So this means, and this is why we can say, God the Father is not God the Son. And God the Son is not God the Father and not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not God the Father and not God the Son, right? They are distinct persons, which means they each have a distinct center of consciousness. They each have this center of consciousness that they reason from, that they feel from, that they make choices from, that they sense time from, and this distinct center of consciousness in which they relate to each other from and relate to us from. They are distinct persons, and yet, Despite the fact that they're distinct persons, they are one in being, nature, essence, and character. That's how they're one. Now, again, this makes our brains hurt because we've never met a person that shares their being with another person. It's like you meet a person, they have a distinct center of consciousness, and they have their distinct being that's separate from any other person. So this is why it stretches our brains and makes it hurt. But because the Holy Spirit shares one being with the Father and the Son, we can say that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Fully God. What makes God God? Because what makes God God makes the Holy Spirit God. So what makes the Holy Spirit God? His greatness and His goodness. Let me talk about those two things with you. Check this out. This is amazing. The Holy Spirit is self-existent, meaning the Holy Spirit is totally self-sufficient depending on nothing external to Himself. Any Bible dictionary will tell you this, right? The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit has always existed, will always exist. The Holy Spirit is immutable, meaning the Holy Spirit never changes. The Holy Spirit doesn't grow, it doesn't learn, it doesn't develop, right? Doesn't get, he doesn't get younger or older. The Holy Spirit is immutable. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. The Holy Spirit, in other words, always has all the facts, right? His, his knowledge is all-inclusive, past, present, future. The Holy Spirit is all-knowing. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit created space, cannot be localized. He is present everywhere at all times. 
The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit can do all things that are consistent with his nature, character, being. Right? He is never diminished in energy. The Holy Spirit is sovereign, meaning he is the supreme being and ruler over the universe, and he is in absolute control over all things. How great is the Holy Spirit. There's no being that even comes close to comparing. Secondly, though, what makes the Holy Spirit God is his goodness. Let's talk about that. The Holy Spirit is holy. The Holy Spirit is both and this is what it means, uniquely and completely, absolutely pure. The Holy Spirit is righteousness. The Holy Spirit is absolutely right behind all comprehension in reference to his law, his actions, his relationships. The Holy Spirit is truthful. The Holy Spirit is truth, which means there is no deceit in him. The Holy Spirit cannot lie. The Holy Spirit is faithful. Always, he always does what he says he's going to do. The Holy Spirit is full of grace. The Holy Spirit does not treat men and women as they deserve. Nor does the Holy Spirit look at men and women and say they've merited my goodness. No, He is gracious. Despite our lack of merit, the Holy Spirit uh, loves us and treats us well. It's grace. The Holy Spirit is full of mercy, tenderhearted, and demonstrates love and compassion for his people. Did I say the Holy Spirit is loving? I don't know if I said that one, but he is, which means the Holy Spirit is always working for the highest good of other people. Goodness, greatness. Now the question becomes, if the Holy Spirit is this divine person that we're talking about, how should we relate to him? Let me tell you this. You should relate to him and treat him as the divine, real person that he is. Simple. Let's talk about this, though. First, treating the Holy Spirit as a person. Can you imagine if somebody treated you not as a person, but as a power or force? That would mean they would think about you that you couldn't be known. That you couldn't be cared for, you couldn't be, they couldn't commit themselves to you. That would mean they wouldn't listen to you, nor would they, um, nor, nor would they speak to you so that you could listen to them. Um, you know, one of the most uh, destructive things we can do, and I'm sure some of the women that come to the pregnancy choices to, to receive help have been treated this way. One of the most destructive things we can do to a person is not to treat them as a person and to treat them as an object instead. Right? Maybe sometimes when they come to the pregnancy choices, that is the first place that they've ever really been treated as a person and not an object. I think of uh, the Jews in the, the Nazi concentration camps. They were all given a number, right? They weren't called by name. They were treated as objects, things. It's one of the most destructive things we can do to a person. And so, if the Holy Spirit is a person, let's not treat him as a force or a power or a thing or an object. Let's treat him as a person. Let's get to know him. Let's have him speak to us. Let's speak to him. 
Let's commit ourselves to him as he commits himself to us. Let's care about him as he cares for us. Let's treat him as a person. Now, we need to treat him as a divine person. So how do we treat the Holy Spirit as a divine person? Well, um, when you look at his goodness and his greatness that we just covered, how do you treat somebody that is that great and that good? Think about it. How, what do you think? I think there's only one way to treat a person of that awesome goodness and greatness, and it is worship. It's the only reasonable way or logical way to relate to a being of that much goodness and greatness. I love how the Lexham Theological Wordbook puts worship. It states, worship is the reverential response of creation to the all-encompassing magnificence of God. The Holy Spirit, His magnificence is all-encompassing. There's no being like Him. There will never be a being like Him. He is great. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our complete devotion and allegiance. We are because He is. Like We owe our existence to the Holy Spirit. How can we not serve him with our life? Now, that's his greatness, but if you think about his goodness as a divine being, you know, the Holy Spirit is responsible for your salvation if you have it. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus through his earthly ministry, empowered him through the cross, was responsible for raising him from the dead. You owe your salvation to the Holy Spirit. Think about that. What goodness did God show us? Did the Holy Spirit show us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? You know why else you should uh, worship the Holy Spirit? Because He is the best friend that you've always wanted. He's the best friend you've always wanted. He's powerful, he's smart, wise, in control, always present and available. Always has pure motives as He interacts with you. Always does right by you. Always follows through in regards to you. Doesn't turn his back on you. Is merciful to your shortcomings and your flaws and your failings. Gracious with your mistakes. He's constantly working for your greatest good. The Holy Spirit is the best friend you've always wanted. Worship him for it. Now, the Holy Spirit is a real person. Um, so there could be some people here today or listening online that struggle with this idea that the Holy Spirit is real. Like, you know, I just don't think the supernatural is real. I think that the only thing that is real is what I can see with my two eyes. First thing I want to say, if you're that person or if somebody's listening to this online and they're that person is, I am so glad that you are listening to this. I pray and hope that our church can be a church where people can come that are struggling with these ideas. That they feel free to come with doubts and questions and skepticism. I want people like that to feel welcomed here, right? So that's the first thing I would say. But I, I would also say this. Um, there are a lot of things that we believe in that we can't see. 
Let's take the wind, for example. Has anybody here ever seen the wind? Nope. But I'm willing to guess that everybody in this room believes that the wind exists, right? Um, why do we know the wind exists? Because we can see its effects, right? Let's take gravity. I think probably everybody here believes that gravity exists. Uh, we know that what goes up must come down, right? We are on a ball that's spinning at a thousand miles per hour. And the only reason we're not flying off of it is because gravity exists. Can we see gravity? Never. I have not seen gravity. Uh, if you have, talk to me. That would be pretty amazing. Now, this is a bit of a side note, but it really isn't. Did you know if the gravitational force were altered by points, zero, 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 um, talk about fine-tuned. Do you know that there are tons of constants like this in our universe that if they were off by the slightest, we, there would not be life? There are a ton of them. Now, either this all came to be about, and we're, I mean, think about that we're spinning on the Earth at a thousand miles per hour. Talk about blowing your mind. Like, really? Wow. Now, is it more reasonable to conclude that this universe came about through random material interaction or that there is a supernatural intelligent designer behind it? So, but the, the real test is, can you see the Holy Spirit's effects to know if the invisible is truly real? And what we see in the book of Acts and what we're going to get to is plenty of proof that the Holy Spirit is real and it exists because of the effects of the Holy Spirit in the early church, which in 300 years grew to engulf the whole Roman Empire and now has engulfed the entire globe and is continuing to grow as we speak. But that's just not it. We see the Holy Spirit's effects not just in history, but we see it today. Can I take, I'm going to give you one example. Who did we follow through our Easter season on video? Shane Tyus. I didn't ask for permission on this. I normally try to like give people a heads up. Are you okay with me talking about you um, from the pulpit? But he's already said this to all of you before. But he is a case in point of the Holy Spirit's effects today. You may not have known watching through that video that... Shane was once in the prison of drug addiction. True story, right? And what the Holy Spirit has done in this man's life is completely liberate and free him from that prison. And if you were to talk to Shane today, you would never guess in talking to him that he was ever in that prison. That's how great the regeneration has been in his life, wrought by the Holy Spirit. The effects are around us all today. I was, uh, let me give you another example, and we'll wrap up. 
but this is a, it's so cool. We're sitting down at dinner. I had a great day yesterday, by the way. Guess what I got to use yesterday? Let me just say, a tractor. Okay, I got to dig dirt and move dirt with a tractor. It's fun. I got to use a miter saw, drills. What else did I do? I got to use a tiller all in one day. And you know how I ended that day yesterday? I ate Krause's pizza with my family and washed it down with an Oreo blizzard. Come on now. And then what, you know what I did after that? I laid on the couch with my family. Isaiah, Elijah's too big to cuddle with me anymore. Don't die. That breaks my heart sometimes. Isaiah isn't. So I'm eating it up. I'm always like, hey, Isaiah, you want to come cuddle with me? Isaiah, you want to come cuddle with me? Isaiah. And often he's like, no, I want my space. But I fell asleep, cuddling up to him, watching the mighty ducks. Come on now, it's a great day. Now, you know what happened at dinner? After dinner, we're sitting there, and Mary's like, you need to hear this song. She played me two songs. Uh, first one, I don't know. Jaira, you know? Oh, yeah. But we got some fans in the house. So, and it's a great song. I'm a fan now, too. Right? So I'm listening to it. Jaira, God, the provider, right? And then, um, after that, she played me another one by Maverick City Music. What is it called? Promises, all right? So everybody else had gotten up from the table. It's Isaiah and I. Isaiah sits next to me at dinner. And so what happens often is he ends up on me after dinner, right? <laughs> this time he wasn't sitting on my lap, but he had his little head just like up against my chest. And we're sitting there, and Mary's cleaning up dinner, which is awesome. Elijah is probably trying to get out of cleaning up dinner. I don't know where he went. <laughs> so we're sitting there, we're listening to the song. And I could experience, in that moment, the subjective experience of the Holy Spirit giving me, like, just gooseies and just joy filling my heart. And then I noticed how still Isaiah was. And I asked Isaiah, I felt led to ask, what are you thinking? And he said, I'm listening to the lyrics of the song. And he says, he lives in me. That is the Holy Spirit making Jesus real to his people's hearts. Right in that moment, the effects of the Holy Spirit. And so I could go on, but I just I would say to you, if you're struggling to believe that the supernatural is real or the Holy Spirit is real, why not say to the Holy Spirit, show me that you're real? Why not say to the Holy Spirit, come, live inside of me. If you're real, come, have your way with me. And I think he will, and you will taste and see that the Holy Spirit is good. If you have already received the Holy Spirit through repentance and faith, man, you have so much reason to worship the Holy Spirit. You have experienced times of refreshing that comes through receiving the Holy Spirit, through repentance and faith in Jesus. And you have a friend, the best friend ever, who is with you always. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are and how you love us. 
Thank you that you are a person that we can know, that we can relate to, that we can speak to, that we can ask for help from. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are also a divine person who is immensely great and good. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray to you that you would make yourself more real to our hearts. I pray that if there's anybody here that um, has not received you, Holy Spirit, through repentance and faith in Jesus, that they would turn to Jesus to receive you so that times of refreshing can come into their life. And Lord, my challenge is to every person here today that knows you, Holy Spirit, that they would take this week to address you in prayer. Speak to you specifically, Holy Spirit. Listen specifically to you, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.